Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. Our call to confession is found in Ephesians 5, starting at verse 8. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible, and anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus said, Believe in the light, that you may be children of light. And Paul gives us basically the same command here in Ephesians, which, is, which we just read, when he said, Which a person becomes the son of light, when he says, you were sometimes darkness, but now you are our light in the Lord. Your union with Christ makes light, just as a little bit of carbon in contact with electrical current will glow. Uh, it subsides quickly in the darkness when the electrical current is removed. To be in Christ is to be called child of light, and to believe in Christ is to be in him. Therefore, walk as children of light. Let the sacred communion with Christ come out in our ordinary daily conduct of our lives. See that every deed is bolstered and purified by its contact with the great truths and thoughts that lie within our name. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would bless us this very first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of the church calendar, as we begin our preparation to celebrate the incarnation of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 26 through 38 is our text for this morning. The birth of Jesus is foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said greetings O favored one the Lord is with you but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be and the angel said to her do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The grass withers and the flower fades, but this word of God stands forever. God's people said, Amen. Amen. So today on this first Sunday of Advent, uh, the first day of the church calendar, I was picturing, you know, should I come with the pointy hat and the you know, and, and the New Year's thing. This is the new year of, of the church calendar. And this text uh, that we'll be focused on, Luke 1 and then Luke 2, uh, for the fourth Sunday of Advent, um, will be an organizing text for how we think about and how we prepare our hearts for Advent. So let's hear what I'd like to do is to focus on five absolutely mind-boggling things that happen right here in this text. And I'd like to start with angels. So today, as, as we consider the theology of angels, where angels appear, their appearance to man is very, very, very rare. Today, as we look around with, with Christmas decorations in our, in, our new, in our 21st century society, we see angels on Christmas cards. We see them on Christmas trees as ornaments. We see them even as featured characters in TV shows. Angels seem to be quite, quite frequently seen, quite common. And while it's true that angels do have an important place in the Christmas story, seeing them as frequently as we do can put us at a bit of a disadvantage. It can, it can dull our sensitivities for the context of Gabriel's visit. So this is one of the things that we're going to be exploring in Advent this year, the context, the historical context of, this, of what happened in Luke chapter 1. Let's pause for a moment and think backward from Gabriel's appearance to Mary. Up to this point in human history, angels had only appeared to man a handful of times. Now we do see in earlier in chapter 1 of Luke that uh, Gabriel also does appear to Zechariah. So here we see these in, in the same 12-month span. We see Zechariah, and now Gabriel's coming to Mary. But if you think about the number of appearances of angels, they appear every few hundred years on average. So that's a relatively rare occurrence. So I was trying to put this in human terms and think this through, and I thought, um, I wonder if this is as often as... Um, a volcano or an earthquake. No, those happen globally hundreds, hundreds of times a year. How about something like an eclipse, a solar eclipse? Those happen relatively frequently. They don't happen frequently in the same point at every place of the year, but they happen infrequently. And what I settled on here is that the average frequency of a human being seeing an angel was about, if it was about 250 years, that was the founding of our country. 
If an angel was seen today, and an angel was seen about 250 years ago, that's about how often angels are seen. This is a very rare occurrence. Angels are working actively, but not visually perceptible to, to us in their, in their life. To compound the unlikeliness of this angel and his appearance, Gabriel didn't appear to a big-name prophet. He didn't appear to a, a very important person. He appeared to a poor, young woman, a peasant woman, probably a teenager at the time. And from all appearances, she was just like thousands or tens of thousands of others, not rich or famous or talented in any way. But to Mary, but to say that Mary was surprised was an incredible understatement, just like it would be surprising to us if this thing only happened a few hundred years and I was the one of the ones who got to see the angel. Secondly, as we do consider when angels do appear historically, it was always at a time, these are milestone events, when the kingdom of God was at a, as an important inflection point, like preserving David's life in the lion's den or Lot in Genesis 19. These are significant events in the life of, of God and his people. So it's incredibly rare and special that an angel appear. So I, we're resetting that context together. Secondly, then the message, the content of the message that Gabriel brings is even more surprising than that. As surprising as that is, Gabriel says in the history of the, or, or I'm going to comment here that the hist, in the history of the world, there has never been a virgin who has gotten pregnant. It has never happened. And that's still true 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later. While tens of millions of people have been conceived, born, and, and many died, there has only been one virgin birth. So up to this point, the Bible is very clear. The miraculous conception of the Lord Jesus Christ in the womb of the Virgin Mary is integral, is important, is critical to the person and work of Christ. Those recent modern sects of Christianity who deny the virgin birth also deny many, many other important Bible truths. And just like we read in the first part of Luke, where Zechariah was instructed to name his son John, Mary is instructed to name her son Jesus. And as you know, Jesus is the Greek equivalent of Joshua, and Joshua means Yahweh saves. That's the translation. So Jesus is to be his name. And without further explanation in Luke, uh, although we do get a little bit more insight into why his name was to be Jesus from, from the account in Matthew. There's a parallel account that covers some of these topics in the beginning of Matthew. And Matthew explains that you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So, two big points that are, that are mind-boggling uh, in, in terms of their content. Three, as Gabriel continues, he now unveils even bigger news. And he further explains why this child will be called Jesus. 
he explains to Mary, using the language of 2 Samuel chapter 7 that we read earlier, that your son will be the promised Messiah. He is to be the savior of the world. And so remember, God, through Nathan the prophet, over 1,000 years before the writing of 2 Samuel 7 that we read this morning, told David that your house and your kingdom, God speaking to David through the prophet Nathan, shall be made sure before, forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So Jewish families up in the lineage of David had anticipated, looked forward to, the birth of the Messiah for at least 600 years up to this moment in time. And now Gabriel says, this is that moment in time. This is what's going on, Mary. Your baby, who you will name Jesus, is the long-awaited Messiah. Wow. Fourth, now that Gabriel has appeared, he's announced the virgin birth, and he's explained that Mary will give birth to the promised Messiah, he goes on to give her assurance and one more announcement. He goes on to say that the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the nature of this overshadowing is not to be sort of run over. It's not just a bunch of nice words. This, this text, this grammar, is rarely used in the New Testament and rarely used in the Old Testament. In fact, it involves this overshadowing, involves both creative and productive work. So if I think about it overshadowing, I think about the sun's out, I'm in the shade, I'm passively being protected from the infrared rays of the sun, from the beating down of the sun. This overshadowing is both creative and productive in her life, and it is exactly the same kind of language that we read in Exodus 40, where the tent, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It is that kind of overshadowing that Gabriel is specifically mentioning Mary will experience. So the big idea here is that Gabriel is saying from the time of the conception of the promised Messiah in your womb, throughout your pregnancy and your entire time raising your boy, Jesus, your son, Jesus, the power of the Most High will overshadow you you will have extraordinary protective blessing from Yahweh. She's going to be singled out. Incredible. He, Gabriel, then concludes that the promised Messiah will be fully God by, ref by actually echoing back to the, to the words from Isaiah 7.14, that Jesus will be God with us, Emmanuel. So therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The concluding point of this very brief encounter that Gabriel has with Mary is that nothing is impossible with God. Here's the big news, and here's the conclusion that, that the conversation comes to. One, your cousin Elizabeth... So Mary has to think for a minute. My cousin Elizabeth, who lives quite a ways away, several days' journey away, and I know my cousin Elizabeth because I'm a teenager, and
and she's old enough to be my grandmother. She's not just another teenager. She's passed the years of childbearing, and she's been barren her entire life. That Elizabeth is five months pregnant. Now, this is not in a time when we have global communication. This is not in a time where we even have newspapers that even 100, 250 years ago would have communicated things over a period of months. There was no indication that Mary had that her, her distant cousin in age and in geography was expecting. And yet, here's that big news. Your cousin Elizabeth is five months pregnant. The fact that Gabriel knew that validated here he is an angel. He knows stuff. He's been directed by God to come to Mary with that message as a message of encouragement. And as he saw, as we saw in the opening of text, Elizabeth stayed hidden. She didn't make it publicly known. So Gabriel did not leave us to speculate about the reason for him telling Mary about Elizabeth's pregnancy. His purpose was to build her up, to fortify, to, to give evidence that he would care for her, to encourage her that the, about this amazing turn that had just suddenly taken place in her life. Such a memorable and encouraging statement of truth that nothing is impossible with God. That's a good takeaway for us as well. So as we move to application, there are five or six points that I'd like to draw from these texts. One, Advent is a great time for us to deliberately reset our sensibilities about what happened 2,000 years ago. Living in the 20th century has many advantages, but that also means that we've lost our sensibilities when it comes to understanding that immediate context. Two, Advent is a great time to be reminded and blessed by a focus on some of the core beliefs of the Christian faith. And this morning, that focuses on the virgin birth of Christ. It is true, it is miraculous, it's glorious, and it's absolutely critical to true faith. It is a fundamental faith uh, belief of our faith. And if you have any doubts about the virgin birth of Christ, this is a perfect time to set your mind right. I would commend to you both the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 8, is about the person of Christ, and the, and, the, and the second section there includes key statements about the virgin birth. That's the summary. The long-form version is by a wonderful book written by J. Gresham Machen called The Virgin Birth of Christ, and that is available in PDF form online if you don't already own it. So that's a, that's a more detailed, technical exposition of the, of the virgin birth and a defense of the virgin birth and its importance because Machen um, had to address many who were questioning that over 100 years ago. Third, our God is a big God. It's vital that we endeavor to live up to the light that we have and to keep looking up to pray for his kingdom come and that he would use us in a powerful way here in this place and in this time. He is able. And we've heard for the past few weeks um, 
we've been drawn to Ephesians chapter 3, that, uh, that hinge point in the, in the book of, of Ephesians, as Dave Hatcher told us. Our praise is to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power within us. And I, and I would commend to you today that if you don't look up enough, if you don't pray enough, do that a bit more this week. Fourth, God's choice of Mary to be the mother of Jesus had absolutely nothing to do with her, state, her status in the world. Not her beauties, not her skills, not her talents, not her abilities. He's made us all in different shapes and sizes with different gifts and callings and strengths and our responsibility is to be faithful to those callings that, to which he's called us. Five, God supports you in the work that he's called you to. Know that. Believe that. It won't be in the extraordinary way that he supported Mary as she carried and raised the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is a, a principle that extends to each of us. And lastly, I, I don't want to lose sight of what the angel Gabriel did. The angel Gabriel, in the end, wanted to leave Mary not with just the shock and awe of his presence, of his announcement, of the miracles that were to be happening, but he left Mary with a word of encouragement. And I, I think in the Christian church today, in the United States at least, I don't know globally if this is the case, our default is to be silent. It is not to encourage one another. And yet, I, I think we regularly miss opportunities to encourage one another. And I would commend to you that you, we take a page out of Gabriel's book during this Advent season, and that we spend a moment and encourage someone in their walk with Christ, in their service to Christ. Today, this week, that's something that we can do very much in line with, with Advent. So as we conclude today, this first Sunday of the church calendar, this first Sunday of Advent, we see the glorious announcement of the incarnation, Jesus the Messiah by Gabriel to the Virgin Mary. And the angel doesn't just come with the headline. He announces that Mary will be with child, though she's not been with a man, that she is to name him Jesus because he is the promised Messiah that her much older cousin is with child and that God will be protecting and blessing her every step of the way. Wow, what an amazing announcement, an amazing uh, text. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing with the clear and incredible record of the announcement of the virgin birth. We praise you and we thank you. Bless each one of us as we contemplate these truths during this Advent season. Bless us with a word of encouragement. Bless us with this reminder of the virgin birth. Bless us with the conviction that we share this good news with those around us. And bless us as we remain faithful to all of these things. And we sing as he taught us to
Yahweh, how my adversaries have become many. Many are risen up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him and God. Selah. But you, O Yahweh, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was calling to Yahweh with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for Yahweh sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who all around have set themselves against me. Arise, O Yahweh. Save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheek. You have scattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Your blessing be upon your people. Selah. Lessons the reading of God's word. This table before us shows us that truly God has answered us from his holy mountain. He has and continues to sustain us. Like the Israelites in the wilderness who were fed by Christ, who was the rock that followed them, we are also fed by him, nourished by his very flesh and blood. Like David, we see our foes gathered against us. We feel the effects of sin in our lives and our church. But like David, we cry out that Yahweh is a shield about us, the one who lifts our heads and speaks to us and sustains us with the living word, our glorious and risen Lord Jesus Christ. So let's come to him today confident that in his might and power, resting in his everlasting covenant, made through his broken body and poured out blood at the cross. The gifts of God for the people of God. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.